0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of *The Richest Man in Babylon* by George S. Clason. In the previous episode, we went through the seven cures that Arkad imparted to a hundred men gathered in order to learn how to build and sustain wealth over a long period of time. This is the third or the fourth chapter of the book titled *Meet* goddess of good luck and this is and I should warn you this is a fairly long chapter therefore you will have the displeasure of enduring my voice for a significant period of time more so than the previous chapters but I hope it, it is, uh, is worth it you learn something from this. The entire chapter revolves around the role of luck and how important luck is in the larger realm of building wealth and sustaining it for a long period of time. Many people think that, oh, he's just lucky or she's just had an immense amount of uh, good fortune in in building the company or acquiring so much And, and to some extent it is true. But this lesson, this chapter tells us that luck might be what people see, but when When the the people who eventually built wealth have actually been through the process of building wealth and earning a lot of money, they have actually seized opportunities more so than the rest. And with that, the, 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 the chapter begins with the following quote, it's an old Babylonian proverb. It reads, if a man be lucky, there is no foretelling the possible extent of his good fortune. Pitch him into the Euphrates, which is a river which currently runs in modern-day Iraq. Pitch him into the Euphrates, and like as not, he will swim out with a pearl in his hand. Is there a way to attract good luck? That is what the men of ancient Babylon wished to know. And the way they would engage in these discussions to get to the bottom of these questions is they would gather in the temple of learning, which the author describes as a place that was equal in stature to the palace of the King Sargon, the hanging gardens and the temples of the gods. The temple of learning is just a simple place where people would voluntarily go and engage in teaching discussions and learning conversations in order to meet as equals, A prince and a papa would meet as one. And, and engage in a conversation about a topic. In this case, it was about luck. Now, Arkad, as we have seen before, who, was, who is the central figure in the story, who is the richest man in Babylon, had a specific part of the temple of learning to himself where he would engage in thoughtful discussions about wealth and about, and about building wealth. And on one such day, he, he stumbled upon and met a few people there and, 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 and they were discussing about, they were just talking about what they can debate about in, in this particular session of the Temple of Learning. And one person got up and he, he proposed a topic. He said, this day I have been lucky for I have found a purse in which there are pieces of gold. I do suggest we debate how to attract good luck that we may discover ways it can be enticed to one. With this began the first part of this particular chapter in this particular episode. Arkad replied by saying, to some men, good luck bespeaks for a chance happening that like an accident may befall one without purpose or reason. Others do believe that the instigator of all good fortune is our most bounteous goddess. So, one set of people believe that it happens without reason. It's random. Someone can either get lucky or they can't. The other believes it's a matter of a central figure, in this case, the goddess of luck or the lady luck, who gives her bounty to the person who either deserves it or is in the right place or has put himself or herself in opportunities that attract this goddess. Let's let's, let's see what... Uh, happens further. To start our discussion, let us first hear from those among us who have enjoyed experiences similar to that of the cloth weaver, the person who proposed this discussion, finding or receiving without effort upon their part valuable treasures or jewels. But no one stood up. card was surprised. He said, "What? No one? There are rare indeed. Must be this kind of good luck." Who now will offer a suggestion as to where we shall continue with our search? A voice voice spoke up and said continue thy story tell us thou where did you find favor and he proposed he found favor at the gaming tables this is similar to the gambling tables where you go into a casino and bet against the house in order to win a certain in order to turn a small sum of money into a large sum of money now since the question is the is, since the topic is the factor of luck, and since the setting in this case is the gaming table, the person asks, Did she, the goddess of luck, turn the cubes red sides up so thou filled thy purse as the dealer's ex- at the dealer's expense? Or did she permit the blue sides to come up to the dealer raked in thy hard-earned pieces of silver? The person replied that. We are eager to hear as well as to learn. We meet here, consider all sides of the question. To ignore the gaming table or the gambling table would be to overlook an instinct common to most men, the love of taking a chance with a small amount to silver in the hope of winning much gold. The factor of luck here is the product of greed, which means that the only reason a person wants Luck to be enticed into the conversation and enticed into the action is so that his greed can be satisfied by turning a small amount of money into a big amount of money through the process of gambling. Another person brings up the example of races, horse races, where again, a lot of people go to bet a small amount to bet to turn a small amount of money into a large amount of money. Now, Arcade replies by saying that. At the gaming tables or the races where men lose more gold than they win, but in other places where we do not see the factor of luck for some reason or the other, men are doing more worthwhile work and earn a more worthwhile reward. But when a man played the games, the situation is reversed for the chances of profit are always against him. Meaning that if you see situations like on one hand gambling and and betting on races the chances of profit are always always against you and you and you work on hope and luck more than on hard work and effort whereas if you want to earn or multiply money with respect to hard work and effort you work on the basis of pure grit and hard work and the factor of luck is present of course but it's function in the overall in the overall extent to which you get a certain amount of wealth is fairly less than in the previous situation with gambling for example arkad says let us consider wagers put upon the cube a cube would be a dice which they use in gambling each time it is cast we bet which side will be uppermost if it be the red side the game master pays to come to us four times our bet Thus, the figures show that for each cast, we have five chances to lose. But because the red pays four of one, we have four chances to win. Therefore, we have more chances to lose than to win. Can a man expect to win more than occasionally against odds so arranged that he should lose one fifth of all his bets? No, the probability is already stacked against you. But someone replied, Yet some people win. Large sums at that. Akkad replied, Sure they do. Yes, they definitely do, right? The question comes to me whether money secured in such ways brings permanent values to those who are lucky. Meaning those who have earned their wealth or rather earn would not be a bad word, uh, would be a bad word. Uh, Those who have made money in these gambling tables or races, have they sustained it over a long period of time? And this then turned to the next part of the discussion, still in part one, but the next part. Among my acquaintances are many of the successful men of Babylon. Yet, among them, I am unable to name a single one who who started his success from such a source, the source being at the gambling table or the races. People who win the lottery often don't sustain that wealth for a long period of time. There might be an anomaly or two who have, but for the large part, people who come into a significant amount of of amount of wealth in a short period of time typically do not sustain it. To me, it would would be of much interest to learn how many of our successful citizens can credit the gaming tables with their starts to success. Therefore, a lot of them kept quiet and realized that there is some truth to our cards words that a certain amount of money or a large chunk of money made in a short period of time with a significant amount of luck can A, not be replicated again, or is very unlikely to be replicated again. B, it is very, 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 very difficult for it to sustain over a long period of time. And and C, it does not, even if it's lower in amount, it does not measure up to money made through hard work. It would seem we are not seeking good luck in such places as the goddess frequents. Therefore, let us explore other fields we have not found it in picking up lost wallets, neither have we found it at haunting gambling races. Is it not natural if we conclude a profitable transaction to consider it not good luck with just reward for our efforts? Now, with this, they suggest, is work to some extent, that is profitable work, not good luck? Who can suggest further discussion? Now, Arkad replied by saying, we take credit to our own industry and ability for our business success. Why not consider the success we almost enjoyed by which escaped us happenings which would have been most profitable? And thus we pivot to the next part of, of this chapter and this episode, part two of three. A man replied, Arkad sort, sort of proposed this discussion to which a man replied. Arkad's proposal was who among us, who among you rather, have had good luck within your grasp only to see it escape. A man got up and said, I will gladly relate a tale that doth illustrate how closely unto a man good luck may approach and how blindly he may permit it to escape much to his loss and later regret. The man said that when I was young several years ago, my father told me that I should engage in a business transaction with his friend's son He said his friend's son found a barren tract of land outside the walls of our city. His plan was to lay large water wells that could be operated by oxen and thereby raise the life-giving waters to fertile soil. This this accomplished, he planned to divide into small tracts and sell it to the residents of the the city for herb patches. Now, he did not have the capital. uh, The man who was reciting the story His father's friend's son, who planned to build this entire process of this, let's call it a business, did not have enough funds. Therefore, he said, let me seek out other people who do, which means he was looking for investment. He was looking for financing. His father said, why don't you take this money and give it to the businessman?" Why don't you engage in this profit? Because I see this as a good venture. I see this as growing, and I see see you having some spare amount of money that you can give to this particular venture, and hopefully it can grow for you. And his father advised him a piece of advice that we have seen our our card recite before. For thy earnings, keep out one-tenth to put into favorable investments, this one in particular. With this one-tenth of thy earnings, and what it will also earn thou canst therefore thou art my age accumulate for thyself a valuable estate meaning take this money out give it to the particular person who's looking for investment do this recurringly for a period of time accumulate that wealth therefore when you are my age the father told his son you can have a significant amount of money to buy yourself a valuable estate but he said we live in a different age, my father. I shall avoid the mistakes that you have made and not accomplish the amount of money you have. Opportunity stands before thee, my son. It is offering a chance that may lead wealth, lead to wealth. I beg of thee, do not delay. Go upon the morrow to the son of my friend and bargain with him to pay 10% of thy earnings into this investment. Go promptly upon the morrow, opportunity, waits for no man. Today it is here, soon it is gone, therefore delay not. The man replied to his father, saying that, in spite of the advice of my father, I did hesitate. There were many beautiful robes just brought by the tradesmen from the East, robes of such richness and beauty my good wife and I felt we must possess. That is consumption especially short-term consumption, especially the need to immediately consume when you have some amount of money lying around, which the man did because he saved at least one tenth. But in this case, he didn't really save, did he? And therefore he realized looking back in regret that the enterprise did prove to be more profitable than any man had prophesied. This is my tale, showing how I did permit good luck to escape. In this tale, we see how, and this is written in bold, good luck waits to come to that man who accepts opportunity. Now, to take his first start to building an estate is is as good luck as any man can get initially. You need to take the first step. With all men, the first step which changes them from men who earn from their own hard work and their own labor to men who draw dividends from the earnings of their gold or their currency or their investment. That is important. Investing in whatever you feel is profitable is important in the long run because it detaches two things. One is your ability to earn based on your ability to work from your ability to earn based on the investments that you do. You are earning from two sources already. And that is important, especially at a young age and especially at an age in which opportunity strikes. arkad says, had our friend the merchant taken the step in his early manhood when his opportunity came to him, this day he would be blessed with much more than the world's goods. Should the good luck of our friend, the cloth weaver, the person who initiated the conversation, cause him to take such a step at this time, which is when you are struck with an opportunity, It will indeed be but the beginning of much greater good fortune. A man got up and a man who wasn't from Babylon, who was in this case Syria, um, got up and said, uh, I I, I, I look at the person who has been in this opportunity, who let good luck escape. And there is a word that I can't really think of. And I really want to associate it with them to a person who looks for who looks to put effort into later periods of time, rather than put effort right now, and who lets good opportunities slip away. That is the word, that word is not coming to my mind. And most of the people around him got up and said that the word you are looking for is procrastinator. Opportunity, the men replied, she will not wait for such slow fellows, for such procrastinators and with that we end the second part of the three part uh, chapter and the three part episode the third part was again initiated by another conversation who arkad said now let us hear an ex- let now let us hear another tale of opportunity who has for us another experience a man responded saying i have I am a buyer of animals, mostly camels and horses. Sometimes I also buy sheeps and goats. The tale I am about to relate will tell truthfully how opportunity came one night when I did least expect it. Perhaps for this reason, I did let it escape because we often think of opportunities coming to us at important momentous occasions, not when we least expect it. Returning to the city, he narrates the story, the merchant in this case. Says, returning to the city one evening, after disheartening ten days' journey in search of camels, I was much angered to find the gates of the city closed and locked. While my slaves spread out in the tent for the night, which we looked to spend with little which to spend with little food and water, I was approached by an elderly farmer who, like ourselves, found himself locked outside the city. He said, I do judge thee to be a buyer. Buy thou my sheep and I and my slaves may mount our camels and travel back. Because my good wife lies very sick with fever, I have to return in haste. But it was so dark and obviously there were no light and there was no street lights at that time. It was so dark that I could not see his flock. But from the beating, I did know it must be large. Having wasted 10 days searching for camels, I could not find. I was glad to bargain with him. In his anxiety, he did set a most reasonable price. He set it at a bargain, which I accepted, well knowing my slaves could drive the flock through the city gates in the morning and sell at a substantial profit. The bargain he concluded. I call my slaves. I call my slaves to bring torches that we might count the flock, which the farmer declared to contain nine hundred sheep. I shall not burden you, my friends, with the description of our difficulty in attempting to count account the milling sheep. Therefore, I bluntly informed the farmer I would count them at daylight and pay him then. The the man with the sheep responded by saying, please, sir, pay me but two-thirds of the price tonight and I will be on my way. I will leave my most intelligent and educated slave to assist you to make the count in the morning and you can pay him the balance one-third. But the man was stubborn. The buyer was stubborn. He said, I refuse to make the payment that... And I refused to pay. Him, I refused to make the payment that night. Next morning before I awoke, the city gates opened, and four buyers rushed out in search of the flock and bought the sheep at, at a price of nine, uh, at a price three, three times the amount that the old farmer offered me. Thus was rare, and that was how good luck had escaped me. Akkad responded by saying, This is is the most unusual tale. And he opened the floor up and said, what wisdom does it teach us? Now, the incorrect conclusion would be the wisdom of making a payment immediately when we are convinced the bargain is wise. My first judgment is my best, is what a few people say. We are stubborn indeed, right? We are prone to vacillate and let opportunity escape. Yet always have I found it difficult to compel myself to proceed with a good bargain when made. The buyer responded by saying, Wise are those words, good luck fled from procrastination in both these tales. Yet this is not unusual. The spirit of procrastination within all men, we desire riches. Yet, how often when opportunities doth appear before us? That spirit of procrastination from within us, urge us to accept it, how often does opportunity actually knock at our door and how often do we actually open it? I would say not very often, right? But if we just engage with opportunities as much as we can or as often as we can, maybe just maybe some of them would turn out to be lucky for us or would turn out to be profitable, right? but this is obviously with the caveat of if opportunities are a positive sum game not a not a negative sum game meaning that if i engage in the opportunity i will not lose anything right there is i will i will certainly not lose anything and if i engage in an opportunity where i put in substantial amount of money where i am a certain to lose something then that opportunity might uh, should be thought through it it should be engaged with if deemed within my risk appetite. In my younger days, the Syrian man said, I did think at first it was my own poor judgment that did cause me loss of many profitable trades. Later, I did credit it to my stubborn disposition. At last I did recognize it for what it was, a habit of needlessly delaying where action was required, action prompt and decisive. Right Now, now, this is an important thing, right? Tell us, uh, the, the, the man replied, one of the men to Arkad said, Tell us, do you listen now when procrastination whispers in your ear? And I think we often have this problem, especially when it comes to money. Do we, do we listen to when procrastination sort of calls us? And, and, and Arkad replied, saying, Every man must master his own spirit of procrastination before he can expect to share in the rich treasures. Of the world, right? Can you really be wealthy and be a procrastinator? Uh, that 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 is essentially the question that that is being asked. Arkad Arkad sort of, in order to reply to this question, narrates a story by, by saying, "During my long life, I have watched generation following generation marching forward along those avenues of trade, science, and learning." that lead to success in life opportunities came to all these men some grasped theirs and moved steadily to gratification of their deepest desires but the majority the vast majority hesitated faltered and fell behind now this is what i have learned with opportunity this is not this, this is what i have learned with opportunity it should be seized upon It should be seized upon. The gratification should be seized upon and you should never rest on that opportunity that I I seized that opportunity that came to me. I don't need to seize anything else. You should have the hunger to seize every good and positive some opportunity that comes your way. So our card sort of concludes this chapter and I will come to the conclusion as well, because this has been a long episode. Um, Let us hear now, he addresses the room, what you think, to the cloth weaver as well, of what is the importance of luck in creating wealth. He says, I do see luck in a different light. I had thought of it as something most desirable that might happen to a man without effort on his part, like in in the pursuit of greed, in the form of gambling, in the form of betting on races, in the form of winning lotteries, but we have seen that that does not, does not sustain. I learned that to attract good luck to oneself, it is necessary, it is, it is, and this is the crux of the entire chapter, it is necessary to take advantage of opportunities. Good luck, our card says, often follows opportunities, but seldom comes otherwise. And in order for you to actually have any sort of luck you have to have in this case motion you have to have the motion to move into opportunities he says we, we did pursue this discussion to find a means of which good luck could be enticed to us i feel that we have found the way both the tales did illustrate how good luck follows opportunities Herein lies the truth that many similar tales of good luck, won or lost, could not change. The truth is this. Good luck can be enticed by accepting opportunities. So don't chase luck. Don't chase those quick gains in whatever form you see it in. Let luck chase you by you chasing opportunities. And with that, I conclude this fairly long episode, but I, I, for those of you who have stuck with it, thank you so much. And once again, is any way that I can better this episode, improve it in any way, please let me know. That's it from me. Akash, I'm out.